circumstances, but it was that adversity through which I found my silver lining, whether it's from South America, whether it's from Europe or Asia or the Middle East or, or wherever. Um, every single business owner and investor and prospective immigrant has a different story and it's not one size fits all and investing across borders is also not one size fits all. Welcome to the Leading Female Insider podcast. I'm your host Rebecca. If you are new to this podcast, we have so far interviewed some of the most inspiring individuals both in the corporate world as well as entrepreneurs. They share their story and insights aiming to inspire you to succeed in your career, business and life. This episode is about building wealth with real estate and investing across borders. My guest Lauren Cohen is a serial entrepreneur, international lawyer, realtor and cross-border expert. Originally from Toronto, Canada and now living and serving clients from all over the world while herself is based in South Florida. So it is actually possible to immigrate to the US or other countries for that matter when you are investing in real estate. But you can also do it without moving if you are interested in building wealth. So we talk about that and everything related, for example, how to create multiple income streams, how to avoid nightmares when it comes to investing, how to build your support team, and much more. As always, if you like this episode, please subscribe, rate, and review. Tell about it to your friends. I appreciate that. And now, let's get to the episode. Hi, Lauren. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, Rebecca. Thanks for having me. It's such a pleasure to have you today and to be able to talk to you about your company and your career journey and about investing cross-border. So let's get started with, you know, the first questions. Can you talk about your background and uh, what do you do currently? So I'm originally from Toronto, Ontario, Canada, and I <clears throat> came here originally in the 90s with an, my ex-husband and I was miserable. I moved back to Toronto. And then it was really hard to adjust back to the cold. So I came back here in, um, in 2001, and I've been here ever since. I am a lawyer, both in Canada and the U.S. I'm also a licensed realtor, and I specialize in helping people invest across borders. And my tagline is, I navigate your way to invest, live, work, and play globally. I love that. So you mentioned that you're a lawyer as well. So how did you get into, you know, from being a lawyer, uh, getting into real estate? And how did you decide that you will combine it with immigration? Um, well, I it really wasn't kind of like, it just naturally progressed into this. It was uh, my, my mom was in real estate for uh, about 25 years in Toronto and did very well. When I got my green card, I decided, well, I knew I was going to get my real estate license, and I did. And um, I really never used it until the past year or so when I started putting the pieces together of helping people invest in the U.S. and Canada, mainly in the U.S. inbound, helping people create strategies for real estate investing, creating a strategic partnership with um, a real estate coach out of Canada that we coach people on how to invest in real estate without qualifying for a mortgage um, and being a lawyer in two countries, having worked in immigration and we'll talk about why, why that happened and transactional law for quite some time, it just kind of, and writing business plans for many, many years. So it's kind of all about putting the pieces together and letting it flow. That's kind of been the way most of most things have happened in my life, as opposed to like, it's kind of like organic SEO versus paid SEO. It's organically kind of morphed into what I do now. 
And um, my, my signature program is how to immigrate through real estate and other businesses for that matter. And um, it's really kind of um, been, uh, been building over COVID. So it's just circumstances and responding and identifying opportunities. And so we have many listeners in the U.S. and also around the world. And for uh, those who are who may not know, can you briefly explain, like, what does cross-border investing entails? Well, it depends on which border you're crossing, whether it's a pond, whether it's, uh, you know, the Canada-U.S. border, which I obviously have most familiarity with since I'm from Canada, Um whether it's from South America, whether it's from Europe or Asia or the Middle East or, or wherever, um, every single bi- business owner and investor and prospective immigrant has a different story. And it's not one size fits all. And investing across borders is also not one size fits all. And one of the biggest challenges that people investing in the U.S. have, particularly in the real estate world, is that you'll get a large U.S. company that says, oh, this is how you invest. And they're going to just tell you to do X, Y, and Z or Z, depending on where you are, right? And and you'll do those three things, but they don't work in your home country. So when you go to file your tax return in your home country, that deferred capital gain in the U.S. is no longer deferred and you're paying tax on it in your home country. These are the kind of things that people tend to fail to pay attention to. They don't get the proper cross-border tax advice, no matter which border again. They don't get asset protection advice. They don't get specific advice geared toward their specific situation. And it happens so often, and it's a very big challenge. I'm part of an amazing company called EXP Realty, and we um, teach people how to attain not only traditional real estate um, real estate uh, revenues from helping clients buy and sell and invest in properties, but also from residual income and multiple streams of income, stock and so on. So EXP is a cloud-based uh, brokerage and it's now in 10 countries, will be in probably 20, more than 20 by the end of 2021. And it's really exciting to be a part of that company and watch it grow and grow with it and attract other talent and other people that are looking for something beyond the traditional practice of real estate. And so what's your guide on um, accessing wealth and avoiding obstacles when it comes to investing? Make sure that you're not putting all your eggs in one basket. If you're going to wholesale, you might want to also consider some other options like the Burr method or subject twos. If you're going to invest in business, diversify. Um, I'm very all about diversification. So even if you invest in real estate, you might want to also invest in some type of business, uh, some, you know, some residual income. You need to have multiple streams of income so that your wealth is can continue. Because for example, who would have thought that the economy would change as drastically as it has during COVID and impact on so many industries that would never, you know, like people in the cruise industry lost their, their jobs, lost their fortunes, everything. And you can't anticipate stuff like that. So you have to have multiple streams of income so you can continue to grow and thrive. Yes, indeed. That's a recurring theme. And we also uh, comes up with some of my other uh, guests as well, like the, the importance of having uh, multiple income streams. And especially during COVID, I think uh, having multiple income streams can really, uh, really save you. 
And so what are the biggest risks uh, when it comes to uh, cross-border investing and how can you mitigate those? The biggest risks are doing things the wrong way, not getting the right advice and having to pay the revenue agency or the revenue regulators in your home country huge amounts of money or maybe the IRS because you didn't set up your structure properly not getting the right guidance before you go in can end up costing you hundreds of thousands of dollars once you're invested, no matter if you're investing into the U.S. or other countries. I have a client now who is doing a development in Honduras, and I helped her get her structure in place. I have another client that's going to invest, is developing in Spain, uh, several clients in Mexico. And you, either way, no matter if you're going inbound or outbound or into Canada or out of Canada, you have to have that structure. And the biggest risk that you can take is not putting that structure in place properly and then going and having to fix it all later and pay all this money because you were exposed legally, you were exposed tax-wise, and you didn't even really contemplate these things because you didn't get the proper guidance. So a lot of people are unwilling to spend the money to get that proper guidance so that they can stay in their lane, focus on what they do, build their business, invest in the real estate, whatever it is, Get a coach and make sure that as you're doing what you're doing, you let the other people that are professionals and experts in their fields do what they do. That's what's super important. Yeah, indeed. And you especially meaning when you when you go out, you're let's say you're you live outside of the U.S. and you want to invest in the U.S. or you, when whenever it comes to investing in some other country where you're currently like located or like that's your like sort of your base um mm-hmm. then you really need to make sure that you have your your uh, system in order and that's where 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 you can come into play as well mm-hmm. uh helping um you know figuring all that out yeah uh, and so for those who are considering cross border investing is it something because we just talked about like having multiple income streams? Is it something you could do as like a side hustle? Because a lot of people are looking for something as a side hustle. I mean, yeah, for sure. A lot of um, my clients are are simply investing into the U.S. or Canada or other countries as a side hustle to add to their income to bring in cash flow to make some money. Um, it doesn't have to be a full-time gig, but it can be. And if you want a visa, for example, as a part of that process, then you need to be actively running the business. So it's the difference between more of a hobby and a passive involvement uh, involvement role and an active involvement and a business. And it's about making that switch at the point that you need to if you want to get a visa as well. Mm-hmm. Yes, and if you are considering... Uh, investing cross borders do you need to have a capital some money set aside to get started um or can you get started without that and how can you could, could you potentially access some capital so you definitely should have at least a small capital coffer because you're going to have to pay for the professional services and you're going to need at least some kind of down payment usually, especially when you get started. And potentially what might be a good option is to consider a joint venture with somebody that already has investments in the U.S. and therefore has connections with capital and funding resources and financing resources. I also have access to amazing 
foreign national funding and financing resources for my clients. Um, but again, it's, you don't want to go in with, you know, a couple of thousand dollars in the bank and you're lo- using your last bit of money. Um, you should try to save a little bit and have a little bit of flexibility so that you can do it the right way rather than bootstrapping too much. It doesn't mean you're going to need tens of thousands of dollars, but you do need a small amount of capital. And yes, there are, as you asked, there are definitely resources available depending on the project, depending on you, depending on your history and so on. And so when it comes to, um, you mentioned also that you, you can avoid, you know, all the nightmares. Um, what, what advice do you have for those who are considering investing cross borders, especially in the U.S., and, and they want to make sure that they avoid the investing nightmares? What nightmares can they bump into and how can they avoid those? It, it, it can be anything from just setting up the wrong entity to getting the wrong guidance to speaking to an accountant that only handles U.S. taxes and accounting and gives you advice that doesn't even apply to your home country um, or vice versa, speaking to somebody in your home country that doesn't understand what it is to set up in the U.S. And so... Um, or or listening, this is a very common thing. People listen to people on social media. They say, this is what you need to do. Oh, okay, I'm going to go do it. Or just go online and do it yourself. Those are bad, bad ideas. Because you might save yourself a few hundred dollars now, but you're going to cost yourself tens of thousands of dollars within six months to a year. And that's where it's almost sometimes with clients, until they get that bite, they are they're not going to take the precautions that they need. Like I have um, a referral right now. It's a startup company from Europe who they don't want to get a visa at the moment, but they want to set up their structure properly, but they only have this very small budget to do so. So I'm like, okay, so what would you like? Like I can't work within that budget. These are my fees. I can offer you a package, but we still have to get these things done. Well, I only want to do this much. Well, I'm sorry that I can't work with you because if you only want to do this much, but you want to make sure you're protected, who's going to get the brunt of that? Yeah, you can't do a half-assed. If you're going to do it, do it. Wait until you can do it right. Have another client that wants to get a visa and they want to invest in in property and they only have a certain amount of money and they need about 50% more to be able to get a visa through real estate investment. Okay. So my suggestion to them was do some house flipping because you're allowed to do that because it's passive without a visa necessarily, unless you're taking a salary, which they're not planning to and get increase your, your portfolio, increase your capital a little. Now your increased capital, because you've not, you've not taken any more out of your savings. Let's say you've actually, it's like gambling. You've built up, up your base. So now you have more. And now six months down the road, it's not today, but six months down the road, we'll be able to do it right instead of doing it like, you know, cutting corners every step of the way. Yeah. So you're mentioning that people who are, who are um, considering cross-border investing and they are not in the U.S. as such. Uh, so what uh, types of investments should they consider in 2021? So you mentioned that they could do house flipping without even having a visa. So that's one option. And um, what other types of investments would you suggest in 2021? Um, And what is needed uh, for for that for those who are not in the U.S.? 
So there's every type of investment, really. Like, for example, there are a lot of businesses that are looking for investors. You can come in and invest and take a piece of the company and help build it up and turn it around. So you become the turnaround guy, like in Pretty Woman, way before your time. Um, <laughs> but um, you, you become that that person that helps the company turn around. It's a win-win because you're going to go, there's a big upside for you, but there's also a big upside. You're saving them from uncertain fate. Okay. So that's on the business side. You could invest in equity in certain companies so that they have access to your capital and you're not necessarily involved. You're a passive investor and you take a piece of that company and they are re as they're rebuilding. So you may get it for a discount. You will get it for a discounted rate, but you're also going to help the company to stay afloat. So you're rescuing them. That also goes for property. So subject to buying a property subject to in a subject to model means that you're assuming, essentially assuming without formally assuming the mortgage and you make the mortgage payments. So you're helping the client, the, the sorry, the homeowner, the property owner avoid foreclosure, avoid that mark on their credit. You're getting yourself access to the property at a discount. It's also a win-win. So I think the important thing for me is helping my clients find win-wins and opportunities. Like there's been a lot of people Maybe for whatever reason, they just decided they didn't want to run the business anymore through all of this. You know, even if the business has done well through COVID, like a car wash or, or, um, a, uh, you know, uh, like a fruit store or something like that. I saw when a, a cleaning service, my colleague just asked me, do you have a good cleaning service? So it really depends on what your interests are and, and what you want to do. And also what's really important is creating a strategy, a strategy focused on your short term goals and your long term goals. Because let's say today you don't want a visa, but tomorrow you do. We have to figure out how to get you from today to tomorrow so that by the time tomorrow comes, you're ready to go. And do you need to be in the U.S. to, to invest? Uh, I guess for the house flipping, you need to be somehow. No, not necessarily, uh. actually. You can do virtual house flipping. Oh, wow. So, and Daniel? you can also work with partners that, like, like I work with many colleagues. This is my, my team that makes helps you make these investments. Everything can be done remotely. At a certain point, you need boots on the ground. And when you need the boots on the ground, that's when the visa issue comes in. So that's where we take you on that journey from, okay, let's do some passive investing, potentially virtually, to, okay, it's time to come and do, you know, look at the property, visit the property, hire the people, get this done, manage the business. And uh, for those who may be listening from the U.S., obviously they don't need a, a, a visa uh, or anything like that. Uh, but that's a good, also a good segue into my other question. Like looking aside first uh, from the U.S., what other countries do you do you see currently as a, as a good country to to you know to invest in real estate? Portugal, Canada, certain parts of Canada. Lots of parts of Europe. Um, it really depends on what your interest is. I know that there's some parts of Central America that have great opportunities. Mexico is definitely a great, a great place to invest now. It's up and coming and, and great opportunities through, through my, my partners and myself, for example. So it really just depends on where you have relationships and what your goals are. And for example, Portugal has what's called a golden visa. And Portugal is an appealing place to live. So a couple of my partners in EXP have actually moved over there because of that. And you can get a, an, a, um, 
a uh, visa to live and work there through real estate investing, just like here. Nice. And about Mexico, uh, what type of real estate is, you know, in demand right now? Development, small developments, like multifamily kind of like apartment, small apartment buildings, um, stuff that they can use as Airbnb is very, very popular. Um, there's a lot of places that are kind of happening. Um, Cabo, definitely. Um, uh, even Tijuana has a lot of Airbnb. There's a lot of great um, positive things going on there. So, And again, it's also about the political situation here, the political situation in the destination country. How do they interact? I'm working with a girl, a lovely woman now who's doing a development, as I mentioned, in Honduras. And we just find, signed the agreement of purchase and sale. It's very exciting. And she's building with her, the business partner is a builder in Honduras. So they're building some beautiful, beautiful units. I would buy one myself. But maybe I will. Who knows? So Nice. And in the U.S., what type of... Uh, um real estate would you suggest for for those who are interested in investing uh, and what what part of the US because covid had obviously a huge impact on real estate as well so what are what are you seeing sure let me actually go back to your last question because i was mentioning honduras and mexico and one of the really important parts of that process is having relationships with professionals in that destination country like one of the things that i do is I have a client now who's looking at ta- Tanzania, not Tasmania, Tanzania. Okay. I got a little confused at first and I don't have relationships there at the moment. I maybe have one or two, but nothing significant. Like Australia would be a slam dunk. New Zealand's easy. Okay. Cause I've been doing international investing for so long and I did EB5, the program where the foreign investors access green cards through investment and job creation. So anyway, so what I said is that we create a checklist. And this is going to go for anybody that's investing into the U.S. or outside. We create a checklist. And on that checklist are all the professionals that we need in that country. And then I become your partner to vet those professionals for you before you before you're actually introduced to them. So we make sure that they are going to follow certain protocols and have, a, have a, an approach that matches mine and so on. So the same that will also go in when you're dealing with investing in the states. So you said where. And the where is also going to depend on where you're coming from and what your goals are. Again, I keep saying this, but if your goals are to buy multiple units at cheap prices, you might be looking at a place like Detroit or Columbus, Ohio, or Cleveland or something like that. If your goal is to have a big upside, you might look at Atlanta or maybe parts of Florida that are where, where it's not too saturated because Florida is definitely saturated, but there are mid market cities all over the country where there are amazing opportunities and they're just going to keep in- increasing. Now the market's hot. So it's definitely a seller's market today, but as the, as the uh, trajectory changes and they do, they stop the forbearance and they start demand, you know, demanding payment of those huge amounts of money, which people don't realize is all at once they're going to have to pay the 10 mortgage payments. That's not going to happen. So there's going to be a lot of property on the market and off the market that is available at very amazingly discounted rates. So one of the things I do with my clients is create a success blueprint um, to figure out what are your short-term goals? What are your long-term goals? What is your mission? Today at four o'clock, I'm working with a woman who is not a property investor. She's a counselor. She has a business and her 
Her goal is to figure out a way to exit successfully in four years, but she doesn't have a mission. So nobody's going to invest in her business or buy her business unless she knows her mission. So we have to clarify that. That's important. We have to have your short-term goals and long-term goals and mission. Because if your long-term goals are, I never want a visa, I never want to live and work in the U.S., I never even want that opportunity, we're going to look at different investment opportunities than if it's like, oh, I'd like to have that option. Like yesterday I spoke with somebody, he's in Montreal, and he wants to move in about two years. So getting that visa in your pocket now gives you that freedom and flexibility. Somebody that's dealing with a place that is war-torn or there's political unrest, you know, coming from Canada, that's not an issue, for, wasn't never an issue for me. Um, but from many countries, Venezuela, for example, I mean, you know, even Mexico sometimes, it's just from many countries, there is that risk, that risk of political unrest. That ri- We had some here too, but... Overall, it's not like that, where we're facing that every day. Um, so in those countries, it's a great idea to get that visa, even if you're not moving today, because then it buys you flexibility. And that is so important in this world today. That's for sure. That's for sure. And uh, what skills do you need to have to become successful in, in cross-border investing or investing in general? knowing that you don't know it all and knowing who to talk to and creating those strong relationships with the people that you need on your team and building that team and talking to people like me who are going to help navigate your path through the process because it is not an easy one. And anybody that tells you otherwise is full of baloney. So, um, and I'm, I'll be happy to offer everybody, I don't know if you can put it in the show notes, an a- access to one of my two free gifts, which is um, I have one book on how to go global in, I think, 10 easy steps. And the other is um, um, eight steps to painless cross-border real estate investing. And so I'll share those two um, ebooks with you and coupon codes for your guests. And I think even if you don't do it, even if you don't end up doing it, the, it, what, the one on going global is really great. It talks about some failed stories like Target going into Canada was a disaster because they just said, oh, we'll do it the same as in America. No, no, no. So this happens very often. I mean, you're from another country. I'm from another country. Everybody thinks, oh, Canada, no big deal. Let me tell you, things are different in Canada than they are here. Canada is very European influenced, right? Banking is totally different. So it's it, these are just cultural differences and You find it quite often, like, you know, doing business. I, I interviewed somebody from my podcast the other day, and she was, she had a company in Switzerland, a French, she was running a French company in Switzerland, and she, or, and she ended up selling it to another French company. And the guy was like a barracuda, like very brash. And, you know, she was just like completely floored by it, but it's just his way. And if he comes to America like that, people are going to be like, what are you talking about? But in America, everybody kind of like hides stuff under the rug, right? So, like, it's interesting. I work with a lot of Israeli companies, and Israelis, you know, have a have a way about them. They're used to doing business a certain way. I'm just watching a show now called Valley of, of Tears about the Yom Kippur War. And, you know, it, 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 war is part of their culture. So it's a different mentality. It's a war mentality. You don't know when you're going to war. So every day you live like your last. And it's a, I, you know, I, I thrive on that kind of mentality. I love Israel with all my heart. Um, but when Israelis come here, if they don't adjust the way they think and, and approach business or hire somebody to do it, they're going to hit walls. 
yeah for sure you need to need to adjust uh, uh i've been uh, you know living in two different continents as well in a couple of different countries uh, mm-hmm. and so the differences are quite uh, enormous in between but uh yeah you definitely have to be very agile and uh you know adjust to uh to the country where you are at and so you mentioned the team uh, that you need to have your team in order when it comes to investing cross border who are the team members that you should think of we've got to have lawyers accountants if you're buying real estate realtors if you're buying a business business brokers business valuators could be accountants as well due diligence analysis which is could be accountants to analyze either the business or the real estate investment potentially a property management company um an asset protection lawyer as well as a cross border lawyer a transactional lawyer i mean you need a lot of lawyers now that doesn't mean you need to hire all these people and actually i don't recommend that you do um you can google them and find the ones that pay the most to get to the top ranking that doesn't mean they're the best what you need to do what the the best advice and most sage advice i can give is find one trusted advisor to manage and navigate your way i don't care if it's me or somebody else but somebody that actually has been there and done that so i'm going to just give you a little i don't even know if we had this in the show in the notes but I know that we talked about adversity when we first spoke and how I came to be do what I do. Mm-hmm. So my own story is in February 2007, my then husband was um expeditiously removed on the way back from our honeymoon in Thailand and there and subsequently put into immigration jail and deported. And so I had no idea at the time that any of this was going to happen. I didn't even know that it was a possibility. I don't know that we would have gone to um to Thailand, maybe would have. In retrospect, it was probably all the right thing to do. And um we we decided to, uh well, it it led to a lot of circumstances, but it was that adversity through which I found my silver lining. and um that's why my book is called finding your silver lining in the business immigration process and my nonprofit is called find finding find your silver lining and it's all about turning adversity into prosperity and that was a very adverse time in my life but i managed to turn it around and have and have an impact on others to help them avoid a similar fate Yeah, I love that story and indeed you can sort of have the impression as well when you really get to a situation that's very difficult you can develop as a person from that mm-hmm. by a lot and it would would not be possible otherwise. So when you bump into a difficulty, you should try to embrace it and maybe that difficulty means the your silver lining and your makes your whole whole life and maybe even help you to uh find your sort sort of your life meaning and what Perfect, you should right. do in life yeah so that's uh, very interesting but whenever you get into difficult situations it's uh, try to think about it that way so uh, i agree with that and it's very inspiring to hear that you managed to do that as well and uh, what should those keep in mind who consider cross border investing I think it's kind of like I've already been saying just try not don't do it alone don't do it on the internet get the proper legal and professional and accounting advice so that you don't end up banging your head against the wall and hitting brick walls in the process and um 
you know, take advantage of the market when, when you have the opportunity and work with somebody that really understands how to take advantage of that every step of the way that has your back. Yeah, indeed. That's very, very important. And um, shifting gears, what are the biggest difficulties did you face as an entrepreneur and how did you overcome adversity? Um, well, obviously having my then husband deported was definitely a challenge. Um, not being able to work fully as an attorney in the U.S. initially, not being licensed in Florida stopped me from achieving my career goals, which led me to be an entrepreneur. Um, I created one business that I ended up having to close last year because I was just sinking too much money into it. It was a great business concept, but I had to accept the fact that it just wasn't going to go where I wanted it to go. And so I took some pieces of it and use it in the business I do today. And, you know, sometimes you just have to be able to realize that failure is okay and failure leads to success. And you just have to figure out why and how to um, make that failure into that silver lining. Is there anything you know now that you wish you knew when you started? Um, probably that there's going to be more bumps than you expect, but that doesn't mean that they're all bad. And um, just to always keep your head up and live in as much gratitude as you can, because mindset is what's going to drive you to success. And uh, what are you most proud of? My ability to get through the first six months of COVID with my son, I'm going to start crying. Um, it was hell on earth here in our house and we got through it. And not to say that it's so easy here. It's not, he's 10 and he's having a hard time of it, but between he and I, most, most of the time things are better. And that gives me a lot of, a lot of peace. That indeed COVID was a really a challenging situation for, for many of us. Uh, and uh, hopefully we are getting out of it now. I hope so. Uh, and um, what does success mean to you? I think for me, success means time freedom as much as financial freedom and having control over my time instead of my time having control of me. And what is the one thing in your self-care routine that you can't live without? Working out, even if what? it's just a power walk. Everything exercise is critical. It is. What What's your favorite exercise or what, or sport or activity? Uh, swimming. Probably, I really enjoy swimming. What about and you? You also? I run. I run. I'm no, I don't run. I wish I ran, <laughs> but I don't run. <laughs> I wish I could swim in Florida, especially. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a little bit warmer there right now than it it's is here warmer. in in yeah. in DC. <laughs> Okay, uh, Lauren, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you, I, I really, really enjoyed our conversation and was very insightful. And we'll make sure to uh, put uh, a lot of the things that you refer to in the show notes so people can follow up there. Sounds good. Awesome. Thanks for that. Thank you for tuning in. If you like this episode, please remember to subscribe, rate, and review on the platform of your choice. My favorite is Apple Podcasts as it's really helpful for rankings and it improves our social proof. For more inspiration, check out leadingfemaleinsider.com and subscribe for the newsletter. We're also on Instagram and LinkedIn as Leading Female Insider and on Clubhouse as LF Insider. And I would love to hear from you. What did you like? What you didn't like about this podcast? 
You can shoot me a DM on LinkedIn and or Instagram. I always recommend using caution and consulting your accountant, lawyer, or professional financial advisor before making any investment decision, before acting on any of this or any other business or financial information. Basically, talk to professionals about your specific situation before you start investing. Recognize that all investments come with an inherent risk. This is Rebecca signing off.